warning. The following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Addicted. Exhibiting a compulsive, chronic, physiological, or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity. Strongly inclined to do, use, or indulge in something repeatedly. No one strives to wake up as an addict, a junkie, or a drug dealer. These aren't life ambitions or goals that people set out to have. There are things that happen to each of us that mold us. They influence our decisions, and they mark us either for greatness or for tragedy. There's a history as old as mankind that depicts just how susceptible we all are as humans to our basic needs and wants. The allure of drugs, of forgetting who we are for just a moment, of losing ourselves to the wanderlust of a high-induced cloud, to walling ourselves off from our own personal hells, can be the overwhelming emotions as humans that lead us into the despair and spiral of addiction. This series explores the history, the emotional battles, the pain, and the success that comes from our human history of addiction. Welcome to episode three of Addicted, Taking the Blues, a history of the oxy epidemic. America's approach to its opioid problem is to rely on battle of Dunkirk strategies, leaving the fight to well-meaning citizens in their fishing vessels and private boats when what's really needed to win the war is a full-on Normandy invasion. Beth Macy, author of Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America. We covered the history of opioids in our previous episodes, so now we are going to dive further down the rabbit hole, chasing the line of addiction from our historical past into nowadays opioid crisis with the focus on the epidemic we now face together. That of our full-on dependency on a drug that was also once touted as yet one more miracle cure. This time the cure's name was oxycodone and in more recent years it would be known as its more popular pharmaceutical brand name of oxycontin. We left off with the changes our society was left with after the heavy use of heroin and morphine began to shift and eventually become illegal substances added to the class of drugs that is deemed to have no medical properties to them and thus must be considered illegal substances. We now look at the evolution of those drugs and as we can now see the correlation between the discoveries of heroin and morphine, we can have a deeper understanding of how another opioid would once more hit the market. Oxy's a drug more powerful, more addictive than many of the drugs that came before it. Today, we look at just how this drug came to be and how we are now in the midst of a battle against opioid addiction as a whole. And one specific drug has been the leading cause of overdoses since its initial introduction into the medical markets. That is the drug known as Oxycontin. 
1916, oxycodone was discovered in Germany, much like heroin its predecessor had been. The idea behind oxycodone was much the same as heroin. The goal was to design a better medication than the opioids that were currently available, such as morphine and heroin, which were highly addictive, it had turned out. As we saw in our previous episodes on opioids, more and more consumers were becoming addicted to heroin, abusing the drug as it was highly addictive, despite once being used to cure coughs in children. The discovery of oxycodone was thought to break this cycle of opioid addiction and prove once and for all there was a use for opioids in medicine, but only if we could control the addictive properties more. That hope and naivety would lead to the greatest drug epidemic ever known to humanity, the oxy epidemic. After its discovery in 1916, oxycodone would travel the way of its predecessors and make its way to the United States in 1939. While the drug was discovered over 100 years ago, its popularity would not grow until 1996, when a pharmaceutical giant would begin to manufacture the drug under the label of Oxycontin. It would become the largest pharmaceutical push in history that to this day is still impacting millions of people all across the world. The pharmaceutical giant was none other than Purdue Pharma, who in recent months has been heavily reported in the news for their part in the opioid crisis we currently find ourselves in the midst of today. When Oxycontin was first introduced into the market, it wasn't an immediate success for the pharmaceutical giant. It would take a propaganda machine of astronomical lengths and even downright fraudulent and illegal claims to bring Oxycontin into the mainstream populations. In 2001, the drug began to finally take off for the Purdue Pharma Company. Thanks in large part to their strong sales campaign and marketing to doctors and hospitals in previous years, the drug was touted as yet one more miracle drug the same as all the other opioids that had come before it. Supposedly, this time was different. However, as Purdue would claim that dependency upon their drug, Oxycontin, was nearly non-existent, and it was the perfect drug to be used to combat severe pain management for patients. The drug would grow to be the number one painkiller in the entirety of the United States. At the time, the drug was available through most doctors and hospitals, heavily prescribed to chronic pain patients. And of course, as we've seen time and time again throughout this series, the drug was also able to be widely abused. If people had extra pills from their past prescriptions, they could easily sell the narcotic on the street, making money off the pills. And in time, growing the opioid epidemic to astronomical proportions. Oxycontin is a part of a classification of drugs known as the opiate agonist, which is a category of medications that is thought to provide pain relief to its users. The medication provides relief by acting on our human brain's opioid receptors as well as the receptors that are stations within our spinal cords. Oxycodone, like 
previous ancestors once more strives to manipulate its patient's plant of opium by modifying the bane, which is also found to be present in opium itself. Also, like oxycodone's ancestors, it is highly susceptible to abuse as it is still a medication that is available to pain patients today. It is often prescribed for people suffering from moderate to high pain for injuries, bursitis, lower back pain, as well as cancer patients. While Oxycontin was the most popular brand of Oxycodone, it is also known under other pharmaceutical names such as Percocet, Percodan, and Tylox. Oxycodone works as a depressant for the human central nervous system. The drug stimulates the opioid receptors within the central nervous system, controlling human responses such as respiratory depression and even euphoria. Despite once being referred to as yet another miracle drug, people who take oxycodone on a regular basis over an extended period of time can develop a tolerance to the medication. It can cause the user to increase their dosage of the medication as their tolerance grows and thus the user can find themselves becoming more and more dependent upon the opioid. Like most reasons people abuse drugs, oxycodone also provides a euphoric effect that is seen in other forms of opioids such as opium and morphine as well as heroin. Just like with those other opioids, however, that euphoria can become dangerous causing a dependency upon the drug where if the user does not take the drug, they will immediately begin to feel the effects of withdrawal. As Oxycontin the brand grew in its use across medical practices for a pain reliever, it began to be seen to not last as long as thought for people who had taken the medication over the prolonged period of time. Those users would find themselves becoming dependent on the drug, increasing their tolerance to it. Thus, Purdue Pharma would create the controlled release form of oxycodone that was supposed to last up to 12 hours for pain relief. That extended release would be the piece that would put Oxycontin ahead of all the other pharmaceutical companies utilizing oxycodone. As most of those products, such as a Percocet, would begin to wane after only four to six hours. Doctors often prescribe oxycodone in doses of two to four tablets in total over the course of a 24-hour period. Initially, when Oxycontin first hit the market, it was available to patient in doses of 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, 40 milligrams, and 80 milligrams. Then, the 12-hour extended release form of Oxycontin was introduced at a whopping 160 milligrams, which would become available to doctors and patients in July of the year 2000. It's important to understand that in comparison, Percocet and Tylox, which are also common brands of oxycodone, only contain 5 milligrams of oxycodone and the medication Percodandimi only contains just 2.25 milligrams. It is not surprising to note that the most common form of drug abuse for oxycodone was under the brand name of Oxycontin 
as it has held a significantly higher dosage of oxycodone within each of its pills. Since its release under the name of Oxycontin, it is unsurprising to find that the usage of the opioid has increased significantly over time. Many countries are continuing to see an increase in the abuse of oxycodone products, specifically that of Oxycontin, one of the main contributors to the recent opioid epidemic. According to a BPAC Journal article from 2014, it was stated that Ontario, Canada, the number of prescriptions of oxycodone increased by 850% between 1991 and 2007. After controlled release oxycodone was added to the Ontario state drug formulary, there was a five-fold increase in oxycodone-related mortality along with a 41% increase in overall opioid-related mortality. The article goes on to point out that Canada was not the only country to see large increases in overdose and prescription rates relating to the use of oxycodone in the medical field. The BPAC journal article goes on to point out that between 2004 and 2009, National estimates for drug-related emergency department visits for oxycodone-containing medicines increased from 27.6 per 100,000 people in 2004 to 88.5 visits per 100,000 people in 2009. With these findings, which are from over 10 years ago, it isn't surprising that the general abuse of oxycodone products has significantly has significantly increased over the years. Not long after oxycodone began to be widely prescribed, did the increase in opioid dependency also rise. While initially many medical journals were initially skeptical of the possible correlations between addiction and the abuse of the drug oxycodone. In an April study back in the year 2000, the Journal of the American Medical Association would go on to publish a study that would not show a direct correlation between oxycontin abuse and the rates for which people were seeking medical attention for oxycodone-related health conditions. That data would examine the two collection sources to determine that there was over a 23% increase in the medical use of oxycodone with no corresponding increase in the illicit abuse of the drug at the time. Of course, that data would shift astronomically as the years ticked by. While the Journal of the American Medical Association did not see significant abuse of oxycodone during its study, there was a 1998 Drug Abuse Warning Network ME data report done that reported a staggering 93% increase in oxycodone mentions between 1997 and 1998. The number of oxycodone-related Dawn Emergency Department mentions increased 32.4% from 1997 to 1999. While the 1990s and the early 2000s began to see an increase in the use and abuse of oxycodone, 
there were medical practitioners as well as government officials and investigators who had serious doubts about oxycodone over the years. Even as early as the 1960s, there was concern growing about the possibilities of the abuse of oxycodone and its products, to the point that the United Nations went as far as to label the drug as dangerous. Inevitably, the United States government would finally start to classify oxycodone as a Schedule II substance, finally recognizing the significant impact the drug has caused to the opioid epidemic at large. As we mentioned earlier in the series, the Schedule II substance class of drugs is one that the DEA considers to be drugs with a high potential for abuse with use potentially leading to severe psychological and physical dependence. This classification of drug is considered to have some medical benefit, which is why oxycodone hasn't been criminalized, as we saw with former medications turned narcotics, such as heroin. While there was some doubts regarding the overall chances of abuse and dependency around oxycotton, Purdue Pharma was able to obtain approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in 1995. While it was approved by the FDA over the years, more and more people would find themselves falling victim to the allure of the drug euphoric effects, and eventually they would begin to struggle with a new type of pain when they tried to leave the drug behind, that of withdrawal. One thing became abundantly clear. Abuse and prolonged use of any medications containing oxycodone would eventually change and rewire a person's brain in such a way that the person taking the medication would no longer be able to just quit taking the medication on their own. It would prove to have the exact same characteristics of the opioids that had come before it. What happens when anyone takes a medication for extended periods of time is also abundantly clear. Eventually, it is all but inevitable for a person to become fully dependent upon the medication as their body and their brains become addicted to the substance. It proves that any person could easily become addicted to these substances if taken over a period of time impacting anyone and everyone who finds themselves having to take oxycodone-based medications for pain relief. The signs of oxycodone withdrawal symptoms include panic attacks, anxiety, muscle weakness, fever, and flu-like symptoms. Withdrawal symptoms increase depending on how long and how much of the narcotic a person takes over a period of time. It is unsurprising that anyone who regularly takes oxycodone-based medications is at a higher risk to exhibit severe withdrawal symptoms. It isn't just the person abusing oxycodone medications that can exhibit withdrawal symptoms. Even newborn babies whose mothers have become dependent upon oxycodone, either by injecting the medication or taking it orally while pregnant can be seen to exhibit these severe withdrawal symptoms. Much like other opioids we've discussed, the symptoms of the overdose, much like other opioids we've discussed, the symptoms of an overdose from oxycotton abuse displays itself as casing shallow breathing, 
increased heart rates, irregular breathing, low blood pressure, circulatory collapse, and respiratory distress. These symptoms can lead to causing the death of someone who has found themselves addicted to oxycodone medications. With all that we have learned regarding opioid abuse in general, it is unsurprising that 130 people die every day due to their dependence and addiction to opioids, such as fentanyl, heroin, Vicodin, and of course, Oxycontin. In a blog from the addictioncenter.com, in 2017 alone, over 191 million opioid prescriptions were dispensed to Americans with pain. About 21 to 29% of patients who receive an opioid prescription for chronic pain misuse them, and between 8 and 12% of them develop an opioid use disorder. The numbers are staggering to realize just how many opioid prescriptions are given out in one year. It is also impactful to recognize that a significant amount of the patients receiving these medications will inevitably fall victim to the drug's dependency effect. So, with all this knowledge, the question began to surface. If Oxycontin is so addictive to the patients who are prescribed this medication, just who do we blame for their addictions? The answer is not clear-cut as one would hope, but in recent years, Purdue Pharma has become the primary name mentioned in regards to the opioid crisis now facing millions of Americans each day. In order to understand just why Purdue Pharma is considered one of the primary reasons the epidemic is as widespread as it is, one needs to go back to the beginning of the company's affair with the opioid known as Oxycontin, known as Oxycodone. In the early 1990s, the branch of Purdue Pharma, who was officially founded by Richard Sackler, 1996 would see the company unveiling their new cure for pain relief, Oxycontin. The idea was to market this medication to patients suffering from severe chronic pain as well as those suffering from cancer. So Purdue Pharma would begin one of the largest marketing strategies ever seen by a pharmaceutical company. Sales personnel was told to market the drug to physicians, telling them that the drug was a miracle cure for pain patients. In a since-released email from 1994 from one of the marketing executives, Michael Friedman, which was sent to three members of the Sackler family, it was stated that our current MS cotton business was created a franchise with certain physicians who routinely write prescriptions for the drug. Friedman continued discussing how these certain physicians may be the bridge that we can use to expand the use of Oxycontin beyond cancer patients to chronic non-malignant pain. Oxycontin saw immediate growth in sales by having physicians promote the drug with their patients. Sales would grow, sales would grow from 1996 having a net of $48 million to seeing astronomical growth leading up to the year 2000 that would have the company sitting at $1.1 billion in sales in the year 2000 alone. Purdue Pharma's sales teams were pressed to create relationships between themselves and physicians. 
creating a ready-made marketing and propaganda machine for the company. It became apparent in those years that the sales teams were being given directives and talking points with the sole purpose of intentionally spreading misinformation regarding the safety of opioid use. Sales teams were directed to tell the physicians and hospitals that the use of opioids was entirely safe and effective and the dependency upon the class of drugs was rare, if non-existent. It went as far as Purdue Pharma hosting dinner programs, retreats, and meetings where they would regularly speak to doctors about all the glories of their product, Oxycontin. What was neglected to tell these physicians was that these numbers and statistics were being grossly underrepresented in order to help facilitate further sales of their pain relief medication, Oxycontin. It was this misinformation campaign that would lead to the greatest opioid epidemic the human race had ever seen yet. In a 1996 email from Richard Sackler, he stated, Physicians who attended the dinner programs or the weekend meetings wrote more than double the number of new prescriptions for Oxycontin compared to the control group. Weekend meetings had the greatest impact, increasing new prescriptions for Oxycontin by a factor between 2.16 and 2.62. This email showed that Purdue Pharma and its representative Richard Sackler knowingly intended to increase their pharmaceutical sales of Oxycontin by utilizing these meetings to spread further misinformation and basically lie directly to physicians in order to increase the company's sales and line their pockets. Many doctors would receive millions of dollars in funding from Purdue in order to have these doctors state that the past warnings against the dangers of opioid use were incorrect. And these doctors would knowingly contradict previous findings about the potential for abuse of opioids as a whole. Richard Sackler would send another email to Purdue Pharma's medical director, Dr. Paul Goldenheim, which stated, why don't you guys plan a presentation about addiction? Give a convincing presentation that controlled release products are less prone to addiction potential, abuse or diversion, than immediate release products. This statement that Richard Sackler made was in fact a complete fabrication about the actual potential for abuse of opioid medications such as their very own Oxycontin. It was a knowing statement from a family who held a lot of power and sway over the medical community at that time. A memo to produce sales teams said, would also go on to state, your priority is to sell, sell, sell Oxycontin. Clear-cut messaging that showed that Purdue Pharma's interest did not lie with bettering mankind but instead only wanted to push their drug, Oxycontin, into the hands of every possible consumer they could find. It shows a willing negligence to the pain and suffering their medication could, was, and continues to produce in many people addicted to Oxycontin to this day. 
Over the years, Purdue Pharma would finally begin to be held accountable for their knowing deceptions regarding the safety and overprescribing of their medication Oxycontin. This would be the beginning of the end for the pharmaceutical giants. The year 2007 would see for would see Purdue Pharma pleading guilty about their intentionally misrepresentation of the effects and safety of Oxycontin and its risk to consumers. The company would pay nearly $600 million in fees and damages. This would be the first of many lawsuits directed at Purdue and the Sackler family. In recent years, the Sackler family and Purdue would reach a $3 billion agreement in which the family would give up ownership of the company, in essence dissolving the company and filing for bankruptcy in order to avoid further litigation from those seeking damages for the loss, pain, and suffering that millions of Americans now dealt with thanks to the sales misinformation campaigns facilitated by Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family. The Sackler family was considered one of the richest families in America, thanks in no small part to their sales of the highly addictive oxycodone-based narcotic Oxycontin. The family, including Richard Sackler, have become synonymous with the now ongoing Oxycontin epidemic that has strewn itself across the world. It became very apparent that in 2009, the Sacklers were intentionally wiring up to $1 billion worth of money out of the company in order to try and hide their wealth in light of all the upcoming litigations that the company was about to face. It was an act that would show that there were no accountability being held by the Sacklers or Purdue Pharma for the intentional misrepresentation of the addictive qualities of their drug, Oxycontin. The Sackler family has come under heavy litigation in recent months as it was deemed that bankruptcy did not actually protect the individual family members from also being named in litigation suits from victims. Victim advocacy groups and families of the victims. This ruling recently came in September of 2021. The Sacklers continued to be named in lawsuits being filed since the ruling. While millions of Americans have now lost their lives to opioid addictions and specifically Oxycontin abuse, education about the dangers of opioids has significantly risen as well. Pharmaceutical giants such as Purdue Pharma are finally being held accountable for the lies and misinformation that they intentionally spread in order to sell their highly addictive narcotic Oxycontin. It has become apparent that many of the talking points seen over the decades has been intentionally targeted towards blaming and labeling those victims of substance abuse and dependency rather than these companies taking responsibility and accountability for making millions of Americans addicted. Richard Sackler himself stated in an email from 2001 that, we have to hammer on the abusers in every way possible. They are the culprits and the problem. They are reckless criminals. His statement shows a lack of empathy, accountability, and consideration for his general mankind. 
It is up to each and every one of us to hold these companies such as Purdue Pharma accountable for their lies and manipulations of a unknowing public. We can only hope that over time we will see the abuse and dependency upon opioids decrease and maybe we will see an end to the opioid epidemic once and for all. It is time that we all understand that there is no such thing as a miracle drug and that we as consumers must also be diligent in our own research of any and all medications that may be prescribed to us, especially for pain relief. It would seem that our culture is forever obsessed with finding the newest miracle drugs we can. It seems we didn't learn from our past while dabbling in opioids and these so-called miracle cures. Once more, we find ourselves at a crossroad. Do we continue exploring more and more opioids in hopes of finding the perfect mix that is neither addictive and life-altering, but still manage to help with pain? Or do we finally realize that perhaps the marvels of medicine do not lie within the petals of a very lethal and heavily addictive plant? The honest answer is, only time will tell. Until then, if you or someone you know is suffering from drug addiction and would like to seek substance abuse help, please reach out to the SAMHSA hotline at 1-800-662-4357.